logistics pulls together for a Florida recovery, Walmart buys a robotics company, and the current state of supply chains. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories, as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the Group Editorial Director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Signode. You've designed, tested, produced. We'll protect it from here. The Signode team of technical and service professionals will be on site at PAC Expo International in Chicago. Come see how the Signode process and products deliver optimal outcomes for customers, protecting their automation investments. Visit Signode and PAC Expo booths S3742 and N6015 on October 23rd through 26th. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham will be along to provide their insights into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, Hurricane Ian has brought tremendous devastation to Florida and the Southeast region. It is time like these that the logistics community can rally together to help in the recovery. To find out what's being done and how you can help, here's Victoria with today's guest. Victoria? Thank you, Dave. Our guest today is Kathy Fulton. Executive Director of the American Logistics Aid Network, or ALLEN, as it's also known. And Kathy's here to talk with us uh, about the relief and recovery efforts and how the logistics community is helping. Welcome, Kathy. Thanks, Victoria. It's great to be back. Can you give us an update on the relief and recovery efforts? Essentially, where do things stand today? Yeah, so um, today, as we're talking, we're about a week into what is going to be a years-long recovery uh, for Southwest Florida. But I don't want it to sound all doom and gloom because there are some really phenomenal things happening. Um, you know, I'll start with what probably most of your listeners are going to be familiar with, which is the business recovery. Um, now, absolutely, there are small mom-and-pop businesses and, um, and others in that community that are going to be offline for quite some time. Just the, the damage to the, their buildings uh, is phenomenal. Um, but a lot of the critical locations, so I'm talking the, you know, the major grocery stores, um, med- medical clinics, um, uh, you know, even uh, most of the distribution centers that we're talking to, uh, water systems, those things are coming back online. Um, and that's a, a real testament to um, the resilience that um, that is evident. You know, just I think people in Florida, uh, we're, we're accustomed to this and we're better prepared. Um, I'll also say from the, the humanitarian supply, to, uh, supply chain side of things, um, the nonprofits have been on the ground, you know, working. You know, some of them got there before the storm and were able to immediately um, jump in. You know, so they're doing things like mass care. They're doing things like um, emotional and spiritual care and medical care, um, setting up points of distribution, which are these fascinating little micro uh, fulfillment centers, uh, you know, of their own that get set up in parking lots. Um, So, uh, you know, things are happening, um, but it's going to be a really um, long recovery to go. Yeah, this is obviously, you know, terribly, terribly devastating. The widespread devastation is just, you know, incredible. I wanted to ask you what makes this recovery effort sort of different from others in light of that? Yeah, um, I think you said it. It's, you know, it's devastating. 
um, the the pictures are are heart wrenching, right? Um, and it's so vast. Um, it's it, you know it's a big area. Um, so every recovery is is going to be different um, for you know for the community um, as they they have their own unique geography uh, and own unique facilities that they have to recover. Um, but also from you know from the bigger perspective. Um, market conditions, you know, and what's happening in the world of supply chains really affect how disaster recovery happens. Um, we've been in this um, kind of easing, I'll say, over the past few months in transportation markets. We're, we're getting back towards more stability. Um, I would say that um, the commercial providers who are the, the core of communities um, aren't you know, aren't fighting as many fires just with labor and um, transportation rates and, and everything that they have been you know, through through the time of the pandemic coming into this. Um, so that's going to help, right? Um, that's going to um, that's going to help make this recovery from the larger perspective easier. Um, I'll also say, you know, Florida is uh, is better prepared to deal with this than um, than a lot of states. Um, not that this is something we expect. Certainly, a, a category four, nearly five, um, you know, just kind of blowing through and, and doing as much damage as it does. Um, but it, I, I think the difference is going to be that um, that there's a lot of attention on it, and there's a lot of people who want to help. Yeah, that's which is wonderful, obviously. Um, you know, in addition to the supply chain conditions you mentioned, you know, this storm came on the heels of Hurricane Fiona and a host of other recent disasters. How does that affect um, the relief efforts and, and Alan's work in particular? Yeah, um, so I, I don't want to forget about Hurricane Fiona and, you know, Puerto Rico. We're still doing work in Puerto Rico. We're still doing work for, for flooding in Kentucky and even, you know, things as far back as, you know, um, you know hurricanes that, that happened years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and so sometimes people tend to run to that shiny object, right? You know, there's there's a new disaster on the news. And so everyone wants to, to rally and help for that. Um, I just want to remind people that, um, we're going to be needing support and those communities are going to be needing support for years. Um, whether, you know, the, the immediate needs right now are, you know, hydration and nourishment and, and medical care. Um, the needs in, uh, you know, over the next few weeks are going to be, you know, making sure people have a safe shelter, uh, helping them to clean up and, and rebuild their homes. Um, and there are, so many wonderful nonprofits that that we work with um, who who aren't even on the ground yet because they're the ones who are going to be there to help people rebuild. And we want to be able to help them as well. So where do you um, in a situation like this, I, I understand there's so many uh, moving objects, but where do you begin when something like this happens? I mean, <laughs> where do you start? Yeah, um, I, you know, I, I love to tell, tell people like, you know, um, the devastation that you see on the news can feel really overwhelming, right? Um, but I, you know, I'm in the very fortunate position of being able to see the really good stuff that happens in response to all of that. Um, and so where we start is with our long-term partners, you know, people both on the nonprofit um, side of things, 
but also on the business within the business community. I mean, we've been around for for 17 years. It was, you know, it was another uh, Category Five storm that that gave us our start, Hurricane Katrina, back in 2005. Um, and so we draw on those relationships. You know, even before the storm, we were reaching out to our nonprofit saying, we are here for you. We were reaching out to our business partners saying, we're going to need your help. Um, and so yeah, I know a lot of times it may seem like things are just happening on the fly, uh, but we're really leaning on the relationships from the past, you know, nearly two decades. Um, but we do love it when new partners come to the table. So um, if you are listening and you've never worked uh, with Alan before, we need you. Uh, and we're happy to, to have a conversation with you today. What are the greatest needs at this point? You know, what are you seeing, um, you know, requests for? Yeah, so um, one of the things that's unique about Alan is we work specifically with those logistics and, and supply chain needs. So the needs on the ground are you know, hydration and food and, and medical care. Um, but we're working on the things that are needed to get those resources there um, to, to provide for those needs. So um, that means transportation, right? Um, you know, both long haul transportation, um, some of our nonprofit partners, uh, you know, they have their supply chains, they have their established relationships. And, and sometimes the people who are their suppliers are many, many states away. Um, so we're working on you know, helping them with that inbound transportation. That's a huge need right now. Um, but also things like material handling equipment. We have uh, we have partners who are setting up warehousing. Um, and so that's also a need, right? Um, but the material handling equipment and the labor. Um, one of the things that's going to be unique for us about this storm is we, we've had a few people reach out already who say, hey, I want to go down. I want to volunteer. Um, and we have a couple of really phenomenal partners, both um, the food bank side of things, uh, but also on the donation side of things, people who help sort through donations, they need and want those skilled volunteers. So we're going to be making a concerted effort to help with that. And then finally, the, the last thing I'll say is, you know, the, the communities that we're, we're talking about that have been affected, um, you know, it's not the big urban community or it's not, you know, a, a big urban center like we would have if this were Tampa, right, which is a, an entirely different conversation we could be having right now if, if this had gone into Tampa. But they still need uh, um, they still need those small vehicles that can help go out and distribute into neighborhoods where people are not able to to get to a big point of distribution. They're not able to, to get to the grocery store. Um, so. That excites me because you know we've seen over the the past few years uh, in our in our world the, this proliferation of last mile services. So I'm really hopeful that um, those organizations are going to want to come alongside us and join in the, the relief efforts as well. Terrific. Um, you mentioned earlier that you're always looking for more partners. Uh, where can our listeners go to learn more about Allen um, and how they may be able to help? Yeah. Great question. The best way to find out about us is going to our website, alanaid.org, A-L-A-N-A-I-D.org, um, or our social media channels, and we're Alan Aid on most of, the, most of those as well, or you can just Google American Logistics Aid Network or Alan. Um, you should uh, be able to find us. Um, I'll also say, um, click the donate button while you're there, um, that we're a nonprofit as well. And it really, it helps us to have the staff and the resources ready to go 
um, to do to be able to do the work that we do during disaster. Terrific. Uh, Kathy, thank you for being here and for everything your organization and the logistics community does to help in these situations. Um, thanks very much. Yeah, thank you, Victoria. We've been talking with Kathy Fulton of the American Logistics Aid Network. Back to you, Dave. Thank you, Kathy and Victoria. That certainly is important work. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. And Ben, you reported on Walmart's purchase of a robotics company to help their warehouse automation efforts and also some other consolidations that have been happening within the industry. What can you tell us? That's exactly right. Um, anyone covering warehouse technology in recent years has seen the big jump in automation, uh, specifically looking back a little bit with the really wide variety of autonomous mobile robots that have proliferated ever since Amazon bought the former Kiva systems way back in 2012. Seems like a long time ago now. Uh, there have been a lot of those AMRs as well as um, ASRSs, autonomous storage and retrieval systems, um, and shuttle systems, a lot of variations going on on, on this way to speed up fulfillment. Uh, a whole lot of companies doing that, but lately we've seen some of those firms get acquired by larger companies. Um, in the last couple of years, uh, there was Fetch Robotics. They were bought by Zebra. Uh, there's also Six River Systems, bought by Shopify. Uh, it's probably too soon to call it a trend, but we did see two more examples just this past week. And the first one, as you said, was was uh, had to do with Walmart. Um, obviously, they're an enormous retail presence. Uh, and they bought a Massachusetts startup called Alert Innovation. Uh, they make robotic shuttles in an ASRS system, and Walmart uses them uh, to help the handle online grocery orders primarily. Um, and they also operate some of their brick and mortar stores uh, to provide more omni-channel services, um, curbside pickup and buy online pickup and store kind of things. Uh, this one did not come out of the blue. Uh, Walmart had actually first installed one of Alert's systems in one of its New Hampshire stores back in 2019. And the two companies have been working really hand in hand ever since to refine that system. Uh, they're now planning to roll it out to many more stores. Uh, so one question that I don't know the answer to yet, I'll, I'll be looking into it in coming days, is whether Alert will continue to serve customers outside of Walmart in the open market after this acquisition, or whether they'll uh, sort of become a private technology provider to Walmart. But, uh, but we'll, we'll be following up on that. Right. Well, that sounds like a deal that could really support the omni-channel movement that we've been writing about for a long time, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I don't know how many times I've typed the word omnichannel in, in these past years, but um, it's one of those big mega trends uh, that we've been writing about. But uh, th this sort of helps provide to me some color on how exactly you make it happen, um, how, how you bring these different orders together. And another of the big deals that we saw just this past week um, seemed to touch on that also. This one had to do with Teradyne. That's also a big name that our listeners will probably recognize. They're a big industrial equipment vendor. Uh, so Teradyne said that it would merge two of the startups that it actually already owns. Um, Teradyne had bought uh, the Massachusetts firm called AutoGuide Mobile Robots. Uh, they bought them for $165 million three years ago. Uh, they're going to combine them with a Danish industrial automation firm called Mobile Industrial Robots, or MIR. Uh, and Teradyne had bought them uh, four years ago for a little more than $270 million. 
so, you know, for several years now, Teradyn has just been running those two startups, growing them, uh, their, their, them and their customer base and, and product complexity. Uh, but the new combined entity will still be known by that mobile industrial robot name, and it will still be based in Denmark. Uh, so not a lot of change there. But where the customers, those warehouse operators, uh, might see you know quicker change, is that those two firms will combine their their stables of autonomous mobile robots (AMRs). So before the merge, Mir had had a range of AMRs that could carry payloads up to 3,000 pounds. Whereas AutoGuide had AMRs that could carry heavier gear. So by combining those two, then they'll have uh, really a broader uh, spectrum of, of capabilities with all the different vehicles. Uh, and by the way, they'll also all operate under a common fleet management software. So uh, this is a way, you know, to make it easier for companies uh, to bring a single system into their into their facility um, and be able to handle both the big and the small, uh, the pallets and the totes. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see what uh, some warehouse operators and logistics providers do uh, once they can get their hands on this kind of improved solution. Yeah, and it just continues to show the importance that automation is having within the warehouse sector in particular. Thanks, Ben. Glad to. And Victoria, the new logistics managers index numbers are out. What are they telling us about the conditions in the industry? Yes, Dave, that's right. Um, so demand for logistics services remains strong, but activity across the industry is moderating from the rapid pace we, we started to experience in about the summer of 2020, uh, when pandemic-driven demand for e-commerce and delivery services really boosted business across the industry. Um, earlier this week, uh, researchers who put together the LMI reported that um, industry conditions may be getting back to a, um, a more normal pace heading into 2023. So uh, just as a bit of background, um, the LMI measures growth across logistics, transportation, and warehousing, and they do that by a monthly survey of logistics managers from across the industry, uh, across the country, excuse me. Um, and analyzing the input, the LMI researchers give a monthly score with a reading above 50 indicating expansion and a reading below 50 indicating contraction. So in September, the index measured 61.4, which was up slightly compared to August, but well below its all-time high reading of 76.2 in March. Uh, the index had pretty much been in the 70s range, which indicates very strong growth for about a year and a half until March when conditions started to cool a bit. Now 61.4 still indicates growth. It's just not at the lightning speed we'd been seeing. Um, and as I said, this could indicate that demand for logistics services is getting back to a more typical range. Uh, again, as compared to the really crazy demand for service we saw at the height of the pandemic and uh, earlier this year. Victoria, did the report say what may be causing the current shift? Yeah, well, it continues to be a story of inventory and transportation. We still have a glut of inventory across the industry um, and warehousing space is tight. That continues a trend we've been seeing since the beginning of this year. And it's largely due to things like late arriving goods due to you know supply chain snags and disruptions a shift in consumer spending away from goods and towards services, which we've seen this year, and of course, uh, record high inflation. Um, so the need for space is high, warehouse utilization levels are high, and costs are high, and that's really driving the conditions on the warehousing side. Transportation is another story, and that's where things are slowing a bit. Transportation measures continued to loosen um, in September. Capacity neared a record high. 
um, according to this index, and prices continue to steady decline from March, hitting a two-year low, according to the LMI. At this, uh, at the same time, transportation utilization increased in September, and, and that's a measure of what companies are using that's already available to them, you know, rather than going out and securing additional capacity on the market. And the theory is that perhaps companies are doing this in an effort to cut costs by combining loads as much as possible, for example. So really in this sort of cost-cutting and kind of containment mode. So we have these two things going on in um, you know, warehousing and transportation, um, and that combined may be causing uh, the moderating growth. The report also indicates a look at what to expect over the next 12 months, um, and that outlook calls for moderating conditions as well. The survey respondents are predicting overall growth rates in the 50s over the next 12 months, and that's a sentiment the researchers said um, should really be expected following the red-hot expansion of the past two years. Essentially, we were at a pace that just wasn't sustainable. Um, we're about to be in the throes of peak shipping season, of course, so it's likely we'll see you know, some stronger growth in the next couple of months, but um, the overall expectation is for conditions to continue to moderate from what they've been. Yeah, well, it actually may be a chance for some of our overworked supply chains to actually catch a bit of a breath. Guess we'll exactly. have to see how it all plays out. Thanks, Victoria. You're welcome. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories and check out the podcast notes section for some direct links on the topics that we discussed today. And again, our thanks to Kathy Fulton of the American Logistics Aid Network for being our guest. We welcome your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters at your favorite podcast platform. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. And speaking of subscribing, check out our sister podcast series, Supply Chain in the Fast Lane. It's co-produced by the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals and Supply Chain Quarterly. And our new season starts this coming Tuesday and focuses on attracting and retaining labor in our supply chains. Subscribe to Supply Chain in the Fast Lane wherever you get your podcasts. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by Signode. You've designed, tested, produced. We'll protect it from here. The Signode team of technical and service professionals will be on site at PAC Expo International in Chicago. So stop by to see the Signode process and products deliver optimal outcomes for customers protecting their automation investments. Visit Signode and PAC Expo booths S3742 and N6015. That's October 23rd and 26th in Chicago. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters when we'll look at how we can make our supply chains more agile. So be sure to join us. Until then, have a great week.